Hello, Mr. Yuli. It's me, Billy. Hey, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Tipsy Theologians. We're here with another another guest. Can you believe it? So many guests, such a short amount of time. It's like Christmas all over again. <laughs> well, today we are joined by the one and only my father. <laughs> believe it or not, I only have one human father. That's true. <laughs> and his name is Franklin T. Uley. <laughs> you know what the T stands for? Thomas? Edgar. You were close, though. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> But yeah, so thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. You've got a, a radio show. Yes. On top of music. Yes. And a lot of other things. <laughs> Inspired yeah. me to be the great man I am today. Well, you got your start, yeah, with, <laughs> with in my studio. That's right. Yeah, working on tape decks. Yeah. And uh, finally moved up in the world to digital recording. Yeah, just by two years ago, right? Yeah, pretty, pretty <laughs> recent. You got to stick with what you know. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, we're going to talk about apo- uh, talking about apologetics today. Yes, so that'd be fun. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I don't know if I have to pretend like I don't know anything about <laughs> apologetics now. <laughs> and we've got some unique mugs today we're drinking out of because we're going to be talking about some some fun stuff today. Uh huh. So it'll be cool. Hopefully, it's fun. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I think so. Good. It's a slightly it's a slight change of pace because we're usually on the philosophical theological side of things. We'll talk about some of those differences and whatnot, but what are we what are we drinking? What are we drinking? Coffee. Yeah. What kind of coffee? <laughs> Believe it or not, it's Jim Beam. Jim Beam K cups. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they made K cups. I didn't either. Your mother came home with them one day, and <laughs> and I said, "This is interesting. Where did you? You're right. <laughs> yeah. What is in this? Are you <laughs> sure it's coffee? <laughs> but yeah, actually, we we're talking about the mugs." I've got a mug here. Well, yours is the the radio show, Nick Guy. Nick Private Guy, Eye, yep. Repping that cool that cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. mine is a reality check with this very, very exquisite piece of art on it. I don't know if yeah. you guys can see that for you video watchers. That was the very first radio program I produced. Yeah. And it was five minutes long. And that cover, that was the cover of the first CD that was released. And That's it was cool. drawn... By my one and only, not my one and only son, but <laughs> my one and only son named Paul. Your one and only favorite son. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I'm tr- we're trying to think of how old you might have been when you did that. I'm trying Five to I remember. Six. Did you ask us to draw them? That's I did. I'm remember. Yeah. Because I remember us all sitting at the kitchen table. It was Susan Thomas and I drawing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember if that was self imposed or I, I think I asked you because I that was one of the very first uh, reality checks I did was David and Goliath yeah so um, for the audio listeners it's um, Goliath and David David's little throwing his little rock at yeah him. we got the armies on either side and I don't know where the inspiration came because I think it's uh I, I probably looked at like another like illustration Bible. Well, you probably had, yeah had seen some things and of course you probably had an image in your mind anyway that's true. And Goliath is taller, mm-hmm. which is evident in the picture. Yes. <laughs> he said he's a tall fellow. <laughs> but uh, we like to talk about some fun, interesting things about the coffee. Yeah. And uh, about the drinks that we do. And this one, I was like, I don't even know what, you, what we could find on this, but 
because K cups just seem like coffee light, you know. Uh huh. It's like uh, it's like the compressed coffee, <laughs> but it's pretty tasty. It's got like a, a vanilla y flavor to it, kind of. Yeah. To me, it's still got like the, it's like a very bitter, like kind of very strong, um, but like a little vanilla on top in the mm-hmm. end. So it kind of evens it out a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, so actually, this is I found these really interesting. So I've got three facts here. Okay. Um, Which I didn't know anything about anyway. <laughs> I didn't know there were facts about it. <laughs> I just drink it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't actually care. <laughs> I drink it and enjoy it, and that's as far as I... I think one of those you'll be very interested in. <laughs> it's uh, Jim Beam K-Cups. Or actually, side point, I don't know why. For the longest time, I thought it was Bean, B-E-A-N. Oh, okay. And recently, I found out that it was Beam. <laughs> and it's like, why is it harder to say now? <laughs> Who knew? Is that his last name? Do you know? I would assume, yeah. yeah. Was, there was an original Jim Beam. Mr. I, Beam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he did back then. I think it was Rowan day. Atkinson, wasn't it? <laughs> that's, his, that's Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> it's his cousin. His, it, yeah, his American cousin. <laughs> so they are made with 100% Arabica coffee and infused with Jim Beam bourbon. Oh. Which makes sense. Um, I don't actually, I think Arabica, like, is that a? I think it's a type of bean. Mm, type I of think it is. Bean with an N, not a beam. <laughs> yeah. not a type yeah. of beam. Uh, and they come in a variety of flavors, including original bourbon, which is this one, um, bourbon vanilla, cinnamon stick bourbon, and spiced honey bourbon. Ah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> which is weird, because that one tastes a little like vanilla. Vanilla, so. yeah. The other one must really taste vanilla, like vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, this one, is, this one I find fascinating, because I had no idea... So apparently the Jim Beam K-Cups are so popular, didn't know they were so popular, <laughs> that they have been featured in several TV shows and movies, including The Office, ah. Parks and Recreation, and The Hangover. I didn't know that. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've watched The Office a few times in Park and Rec and didn't even notice. Then never they, noticed. Didn't yeah. notice there were even K-Cups in that, <laughs> that whole show. <laughs> Well, those shows were a few years back too, so they guess they've been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. I guess because K cups, I don't know how long they've been around, but well, these she just got within the last year, I think. Okay, so nice. It's your favorite now. Who cares? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you're like okay. Didn't even notice I was drinking anything different. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I just reach in there and grab them. Yeah. So, well, anyway, should we hop into this? Sure. Actually, before we do. Because we're drinking coffee, we've got a, an honorary question, inaugural, inaugural, annual, regular, recurring okay. question we usually ask people, and um, your thoughts on alcohol, because we're drinking coffee today. Oh, yeah. But it's infused. <laughs> it's infused, yeah. It's treading the lines there. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think there's anything um, wrong with drinking alcohol. Um, you know, the Bible certainly doesn't forbid that. Mm-hmm. Jesus, they drank wine. Yeah, but there are admonitions against uh, being drunk, right? So, you know, you can drink alcohol and not get drunk, and that's you know, so it's permissible. Hmm. Um, you know, for a Christian, it's just you are to remain sober. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's pretty consistent. So, so that's my thing. You know, and and to be honest. Um, you know, there's some people that uh, really like the taste of alcohol. To me, it's like, eh, I could take it or leave it, <laughs> yes. which I'm glad. Yeah. Um, actually, it was uh, Stonewall Jackson 
who never drank alcohol. Hmm. And that's why he was such a stoic. <laughs> yeah. Well, they asked him because he he did uh, get wounded by hmm. his own men. Uh, Where we go? And, yeah. <laughs> and they asked him if he wanted brandy, and he would he even refused it then. Oh wow! But his reason for never drinking was he says I'm afraid I would like it. Mm. <laughs> he thought <laughs> if I like it, I'd be inclined to drink more of it. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So he just you know abstained from it, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, actually there was a uh, a church we attended that <laughs> you remember and <laughs> drinking alcohol. It was it was almost like liberating for them when they came to this <laughs> that they could drink alcohol <laughs> and they would, you know, do it all the time. And there was one time where some of us leaders were together and they asked me if I want. I said, "No, it's all right." And then they kind of were like almost like teasing me about it, you know. <laughs> and but they were very very big um Civil War, uh, a couple oh, of them were, you know, Civil yeah. War fans. And they were big fans of Robert E. Lee and mm. Stonewall Jackson. So after they were teasing me for a while, I said, you do realize <laughs> that both Lee and Jackson were teetotalers. Oh, wow. And that kind yeah. of shut them down. <laughs> they, they didn't have anything else to say yeah. after that. Yeah, so I'm in good company there, at least as far as you're concerned. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's something wise, and that's what we talk about. It's like... If, if it's going to be a problem for you, then mm-hmm. yeah, it's best to stay away from it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think my father, he never he drank like beer once in a while, but he I made think brandy. He made brandy. Yeah. But uh, but he generally stayed away from, it, and I think it was because he did have some. I, I think his father drank. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you know to excess. I don't know anything about, but yeah. I know he had one brother in particular who drank quite a bit, and I think he mm. just didn't like. What it did to people. Mm. So he just always, you know, kind of the same thing with smoking. He never smoked. Yeah. Uh, his father died of cancer when my mm. father was like 19. Yeah. And so I think he just saw the effects of alcohol and, uh, and tobacco and just decided, yeah. eh, I'm not, not for me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad because then I, it really made it easier for us growing up to yeah. not go there. So, yeah, that's fair. And he was definitely a very easygoing person. Yeah. Where, yeah, when he made up his mind, he kind of made it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the one thing I do, I always respected about him, too, is he was never one to, like, impose that, like, this is how it should be right. on somebody else. Right. He was just kind of like, meh, not for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, the funny story I remember you, I remember him telling, and I, I know you've said it before, so Grandpa, he was born in... Was it 1917? 1917. So yeah. he was an old fella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, wasn't the first time he drove to Cleveland Yeah. when he was like, was he 12? 12 years old. Yeah, yeah. and it was because he was. they were afraid that his dad would go and gamble yeah. or drink. No, he, well, yeah. <laughs> what was it? Yeah. It was the in the days before there was any freeways. Yeah. And they lived in Madison, and Cleveland was probably 40, 45 miles away. Mm. And back at, back then, you didn't need a driver's license. Right, they didn't have them. Just yet. Be able to see, see over the steering wheel. Yeah, <laughs> and they they would. But along the way, while they were going out to Cleveland, because that's where uh, his father originally lived when he first came here, mm. and so he had family and friends there. So he was going to go visit his family and friends. Oh, okay. But along the way, they would stop, and everywhere they stopped, he would drink, <laughs> and they were afraid that he wouldn't. He'd be too drunk to drive, so <laughs> <laughs> so your grandfather uh, drove twelve years old. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we and we don't put our twelve year olds in soccer practice. No, no. <laughs> it's too much, too much pressure. Yeah, <laughs> not without a helmet on anyway. Yeah, right. 
Now, obviously, cars didn't go 60 miles an hour, but right. still, 12-year-old behind the wheel of a car. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I guess you think about it, there probably weren't very many other people on the road. Not even. as many, yeah. Um, but they were also all back roads, so they're not paved well. <laughs> right. Well, that would have been 1929, so. Okay, so we had some kind of infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, because then when he finally got his license... Um, he didn't have to take a test or anything. He just no. kind of walked in. Yeah, they were too busy. <laughs> oh, that was his brother, uh, oh, his younger his brother. brother oh, went okay. in because by the time his younger brother got old enough, they said, "Yeah, <laughs> if you're a certain age, you need to get a driver's test." And he went into the bureau, of, <laughs> and they were too busy. And they said, "What are you doing here?" And they said, "I'm here to get my driver's test." So they just gave it to him. Said, <laughs> here well, you go. <laughs> we don't have time. <laughs> And now they don't have time for us still. Yeah. But they just like go home. Come now back they make another your way. Yeah. yeah right. That's the one thing I always find interesting about going to the BMV is like there's nothing happening. Like no one's at the counters <laughs> and you still have to take a ticket and sit yeah. and wait. <laughs> like we'll get to you when we get to you. <laughs> well, during COVID, your sister Susan had to, uh, I don't know if we were getting plates for her car. I think she just bought a car. So we were, mm. you know. And the car was in her name and my name. So both of us needed oh, to yeah. be there. So we were both there. And the guy came to the door, you know, came to, because we had to wait outside. And he said, only one of you are allowed in. And I said, well, <laughs> the cars in both, we both have to Take be, turns. but only one of you is allowed in. Well, then we're not going to be able to get the car, the plate, <laughs> because we both have to be there. And he finally, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to put you out, pal. My but... <laughs> bad. <laughs> I'm surprised he was like one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> you come inside and leave. The other yeah. one comes in and signs. <laughs> yeah. Unless that one extra person in there was going to just ruin it's, everything. It's beyond. Yeah. <laughs> that's too far. It was going to spread and that's the end of it. <laughs> Everybody in there was going to die. Yeah. All three of them in yeah. there. <laughs> Dang. Well, apologetics. Yeah. What is it? What is it? Good idea. Good, <laughs> good question. Christian apologetics. Christian apologetics. Yeah. So there are other kinds of apologetics. Well, apologetics in general, yeah, it does mean the same thing. Christian apologetics is, uh, and it's it more doesn't. Focused. What's it? Just like more. Focused. It's uh, more focused. Yeah. Uh, apologetics. I mean, I think we do get the word apology when we apologize for something we've done wrong, uh, but the the root word really means a defense. Mm. To give a defense, and I, I suspect I I haven't been able to find this anywhere, but I suspect when you gave an apology, when you apologized for something, you were explaining to somebody why you did something, oh, and usually it carried I did something wrong, and yeah. you're explaining what yeah. you did wrong. So I think that's where it's gotten the meaning of I'm, there's something I need to ask your forgiveness for. Hmm. But originally, the word apologetics does mean just a defense. And a Christian apologetics is a defense for Christianity. Okay. Uh, and basically, what that means is a reasoned uh, response to maybe allegations mm. or questions uh, or something that would be misrepresented, misunderstood. Mm. So it's a way of clarifying and giving a, a reasoned, reason for the things that you believe. Mm. And actually, the early church um, came under some criticism. Uh, certainly, the Judaizers, you know, the, the the scribes and Pharisees were against Christianity. Yeah, and they would accuse. They tried to do this with Jesus, accused him of being seditious against 
the Roman authorities, saying basically, we don't have a king, uh, mm. you know, we don't acknowledge Caesar as king. And so the Christians were being charged with being treasonous and seditious. And even with the practice of communion, uh, calling it the, the body and blood of Christ, they yeah. were accused of being cannibals, mm. that they were engaging mm-hmm. in some sort of cannibalism. So there was a need within that early church... It's a tough thing to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there was a need within that early church because there were so many misrepresentations and mm. misunderstandings. And actually, um, and I wrote them down because I... Didn't want to mess them up. Yeah. But First uh, Peter, the, mm. it's, it's a verse I think a lot of people are familiar with, where Peter says, "In your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you." And this is kind of a key here. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Mm. Um, so. <clears throat> Uh, giving an apology or a, a, an apologetic for Christianity, it's it's a reasoned. This is this is why this is a logical, mm. reasoned, mm. Re, uh, reason that I believe this. Yeah. And um, now apologetics is not necessarily the same as evangelism, mm. because with apologetics, you're not necessarily um, looking to. Although I guess you, you you are anyway, but it is not. Nobody is ever brought to Christianity because they understand an argument. Mm. You know, you can convince somebody that this is what I be, what I believe about this, and this is why I believe it. They can agree with you. It doesn't mean they're going to be a Christian, right? Um, but it is usually a precursor to bringing someone to Christ. There's yeah. a number of people I know that it was through apologetics that mm. uh, that they came to Christ. That's cool. Because some of those things that were hindering their belief were taken away. Hmm. And they, they you know, came to belief because of that. And really, um, if you look at pretty much the whole New Testament is an apologetic. Hmm. Um, hmm. The Gospel of Luke, and I, I wrote this down too, because Luke, uh, first four verses of his Gospel, he says, "...inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, and he's talking about Jesus yeah. and the things that Jesus did, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Hmm. So Luke was writing this basically to Theophilus and saying, you've been told these things about Jesus. And he says, there are those who are eyewitnesses, those who were there. And he, I've been, and Luke is saying, I've been following this myself. Mm. And we do know that Luke, um, he, he was a companion of Peter. So he heard firsthand from Peter. Uh, he did like, apparently he interviewed various people who were involved. I think Mary, mm. that's, Luke mm. has the, the most... Um, uh, extensive account of Mary yeah. and the virgin birth, and there's there's reason to believe that he actually interviewed Mary for really? the information he has about her. Oh, that's cool. But his goal in that was to uh, <clears throat> confirm to Theophilus that, yeah, what you heard is true, hmm. and there's good reason to believe it. Hmm. And even the Gospel of Matthew... Uh, he constantly... Now, Matthew's Gospel is written more to the Jews. 
Yeah. So it, you'll see a lot in Matthew where he is uh, calling back to the Old Testament prophecy, right. saying Jesus fulfilled this. He fulfilled, and that's an apologetic. Hmm. He's saying hmm. Jesus fulfilled all these things. This is evidence as to why we believe yeah. he is the Messiah. Uh, the and really the epistles, uh, especially of Paul, mm-hmm. where he is explaining doctrine. Yeah, many times he appeals to the Old Testament, but he is working through a reason why this is, hmm. you know, th- this is how these things have been fulfilled in our day. This is the um, the importance of the resurrection. This is the importance of this, and this is how this plays out. Uh, you know, Israel and, you know, the whole, the nation, and this is what God was doing in the Old Testament. And we can see that, you know, the, these things have all been fulfilled in our time. That's cool. So the, the pretty much the whole of the New Testament is an extended hmm. apologetic. Yeah, I mean, so I, I do want to ask, um, so what's the difference? How does it differ from theology? Theology. Um, well... I think it's um, it's a way of taking theological belief and putting it in a, in an orderly way to say, okay, so the the, the take like um, the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. All right, this is how it plays out. This is we believe that God is sovereign. Well, then that should should mm-hmm. inform everything that happens. Okay. And so, what apologetics would do would would take that doctrine, and say, okay, this is how it applies here. This is how it applies here. I see. So and theology is kind of the, this is what it is, and then apologetics is this is how it applies. This is how it applies. The application. Yeah, this is, and this is why, through that apologetic, this is why we, we believe that this is the case. Yeah. Because there, we see evidence of it throughout. And, it, you know, because there are things that, do, that appear that God is not sovereign. Right. That appear that things are just kind of random. And so through apologetics, we're able to take the theological beliefs and the doctrines and apply them in a way that explains yeah. them in a practical sense. That's cool. Yeah. So it's not yeah. apart from theology. It's a way of expanding it and hmm. maybe making it more um, accessible. or Yeah. Because yeah. it seems like in a lot of ways, <laughs> apologetics does focus on let's go against like a popular belief or mm. something outside where scripture is trying to answer or like theology is trying to be like, what does scripture mean inside of this ecosystem of scripture? Yeah. Is right. that fair to say? I, yeah. I would say, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I actually, cool. that's a question I've never considered before. So, mm. I, I, was, <laughs> so I, I maybe tomorrow I'll say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I, <laughs> that's what I do every week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I, that's what I find interesting is like, where does theology fall into that? Is it like, um, is this the main overarching category and everything is like a vein of it or is it a separate category inside? Because mm. then I think there's even like philosophy that falls into the, some of that, which is yes. more on the hypothetical of things. Mm-hmm. And just like, is it consistent mentally or like, does the thought follow consistently? Right. Well, like a little, when I was working... And I had most of the day to myself, and I, you know, while I was working, and I'd be thinking, I would think through, okay, this is what I believe. Mm. How does this apply in this situation? Mm. You know, or this is the principle I'm starting with. Yeah. Is it consistent? Uh, yeah. So if I believe, again, that God is sovereign, okay, well, how does it 
how do I explain this situation? If this is still true, you know, then how do how does it apply here? And how yeah. do I, and I know I remember even as a young believer, uh, I hadn't been in the Lord very long, and somebody said, "I don't believe that Jesus is God." Mm. And I said, "Well, boy, that doesn't sound right." And I actually <laughs> did like a study. Mm. I mean, if I looked at it today, I would probably think, "Wow, this is real basic." But I did go through Scripture, uh, like for instance, yeah. where Thomas. After he saw Jesus and he put his, you know, wanted to put his hand in his side, I don't think he actually did, but he said, he's my Lord and my God. Yeah. He called yeah. Jesus God and he worshiped him. Right. Jesus didn't rebuke him. Mm. So, it, you know, if Jesus hadn't been God, he would have rebuked him, as we yeah. see throughout Scripture when men worship angels or the Apostle Paul. Right. Um and I, I was able to, I, and those are the kind of things that I, I kind of enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if, if this is what I believe, it's got to be true. It's going to be consistent. Yeah. And if it's not consistent, then there's something, either I'm not, I don't believe rightly, or there's another explanation here. And I, I mm. it's like, I never usually satisfied until I figure that out. <laughs> Where do you guys think I get it from? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the. I mean that goes back to Saint Augustine. You know, all truth is God's truth, and then my redefine, like my re-saying of it is truth is truth is truth. Mm -hmm. Which is finding that consistency within this. If like if right. I believe this is true, it'll always be true no matter what. Right. Because if God really is unchanging, truth will never change. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I think it's fun. I think it's cool we we're able to approach these things in any facet, whatever <laughs> it may look like. And we can find the consistency in all of those. And it, it, it kind of to uh, Augustine's, um, or Augustine, or whoever, however you want to pronounce it. Depends <laughs> um, on your persuasion. <laughs> yeah. Um, all truth is God's truth. You know, the thing is that I always say, if you come across something that contradicts the Word of God, hmm. that other thing is wrong at some point. Yeah. You may not be able to see it right away, but it's some... Because I, I, I my starting point is God's Word is true. Right. And it doesn't mean that I try to fit things into it, but mm -hmm. it's like if there is another philosophy or something, it's like okay, this is got, it has to break down somewhere. Yeah, um, you know, there's people that uh, get angry at God, and I said, you know, whenever I find myself in a disagreement with God, or you know, maybe I'm upset about something, the very first place I start is God is not wrong. Yeah, right. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I'm wrong, but we'll find it. But I'm the one who's wrong. He's yeah. never wrong. I think what's interesting about that, too, I was just watching a video this morning um, with mom and was talking about Galileo and the belief of, you know, heliocentrism versus earthcentrism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whatever that, what is actually that word? I've got, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the other one that's not heliocentric. <laughs> I started off sounding so smart. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, because the popular idea then was the Earth is the center of the of the right. of the galaxy, and that in part was a misapplication of one of the Psalms, right? Um, talking about the Earth does not move, right? Um, <laughs> and so when Galileo comes out and he's like, "Hey, I'm a nerd and I've got a telescope. Check this out," <laughs> and for him, he was looking at it being like, "That doesn't line up. That's not what I can physically see right. and look at," and the church. I think rightly so, saying you're contradicting the word of God and says, no, this is wrong, not recognizing, oh, wait, we're wrong because we misapplied scripture. Right. I think that's another element for us <laughs> to look at, too. Well, 
is like, are we actually reading it rightly? Yes. Well, that's that's another thing we ha- you have to examine is okay. Yeah. This my understanding of scripture. If if that's that that is a, one of the places you start. One of these, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I could be misunderstanding. Actually, the thing with Galileo that I came to find out was his he was he was teaching that you know the Earth revolves around the sun. Yeah. The church really wasn't all that concerned with that. Mm. It was the scientific community really that put pressure on the church to silence him. Mm. And the way the story turns out, it's it's really not. I mean, the church did wrong, right? But it was they were being the the scientists were mm. also wrong. But actually, Galileo didn't come out looking clean either. No uh, one ever does. Yeah. It's like, but what they told <laughs> him was clear, clear good the guy. church <laughs> basically said, "You can continue to teach, but don't teach it as fact." Mm. Galileo didn't do that. Yeah, he yeah. he said he would agree to that, but he didn't. Hmm. So you know, I mean, in, obviously we know Galileo was right, right, but it's interesting because that that story will many times be used about the see how the church hinders science. It was actually the scientists that yeah. were strongly against that because what Galileo was saying went against mm. the science. You right. Know, if there was an Anthony Fauci back then, it would have gone against him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's interesting with that too to look at. And we've we've talked about it on a couple of other episodes where it's like what is representing the Lord, and it's like even though someone like even then we can point to the church and be like, look at those fools and God's. It's like that has nothing to do with God, right? <laughs> that is people misrepresenting God. Yeah. So I think it's important to look at that too. Yeah. Of like, I'm not really, I'm I'm not accepting that because that's not who God is. That's who people are, you know, accusing him of being. Right. So. But yeah, so all that to say, we can be wrong on a lot of levels. Yes. We got we to gotta examine those things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, if our understanding of the Word of God is wrong, we need to correct that. Yeah. And we should not fight against that, mm-hmm. because what value is there in believing something that isn't really true? Yeah. None. Because I mean, yeah, because I think there's there are times where, to give a little credence on this side, not that it's every time, but there, I think there are times when there's something scientific that is discovered that reveals that we've been misinterpreting scripture. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's not supposed to like, well, that's wrong. It's like, actually, we didn't get it right. Yeah. <laughs> the scripture still isn't wrong. We just misunderstood it. Yeah. Well, just remember, like, during the 1800s and before that, with slavery. Right. There were those who were using scripture to condone slavery. Mm. There were those using scripture to condemn it. Right. Somebody was right and somebody was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were both using the same scriptures. Right. But, um, you know, <laughs> so you, <laughs> some of them... Read have, it very differently. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I remember somebody pointing out things that say, well, see, this... And I thought, I don't know, that doesn't really condone slavery. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I'm not seeing it. Yeah. I see what you're saying, but... If you're going to hang your hat there, and he wasn't necessarily, he was just saying, this is where they got that. Oh, you know? okay. That's yeah, good. He, he didn't, yeah. That's good. That's a whole I other, haven't run across anybody that's who thinks. a whole thinks, other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're out there. At least he's not a hypocrite. <laughs> that is the worst thing. Yeah. Probably some guy in Alabama is like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's so you brought up the New Testament, and I think that's interesting because uh, <coughs> recently going through Romans in a Bible study, and that's one of the things we see Paul actively take part in a lot, where he would evangelize, and people would hear him and misconstrue and 
right. falsely accuse him of saying these things. The one I'm thinking of in particular, it's one of the earlier chapters in Romans when he's talking about, you know, well, should we continue sitting so grace can abound? Right. And people would take that and be like, oh, he believes in, you know, we should all just live in sin, in, ex- in extreme sin, so that way God can look really good. Yeah. And Paul, in, in the Romans, is like, oh my gosh, where do I begin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so even then, I think is what you're saying. It's like yeah. that's an active part of apologetics, where <laughs> mm-hmm. he made the theological case, and then people misinterpreted. He's like, "All right, let's go back and make sure I'm very clear about right. what I'm saying." Yeah, yeah. Actually, if you read a lot of Paul's letters, he's like continually addressing false doctrine. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's about eighty yeah. percent of his. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if the funny thing about. I remember talking to my pastor about this, where when you read scripture, it's not. It's not written from a casual observer. Right. We get some pretty extreme people in there. And Paul, yeah. I think, is the takes the cake on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and you think, okay, well, the church was still young, and a lot of this stuff hadn't been worked through yet. So that explains why there was so... But yeah. it's like, here it is 2,000 years later, and we still have people messing up some central <laughs> doctrines of the yeah. faith, you know, like even the resurrection. There's some that say it, it didn't happen or it doesn't mm. matter if you believe it or not, you know, which I mean, makes, it makes problematic a few other parts <laughs> in scripture. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when we look at that, it's like, okay, so it's probably fair to say whether we know it or not, we're taking part in apologetics. Yeah. So it does make <laughs> sense. And I think it's important for us to realize that, so we have a better understanding of what we're getting in ourselves into. Right. Well, and I think, you know, even why apologetics, it sounds like it's for theologians or it's for yeah. people. But Standing really, in a suit next to a lectern or something. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, our culture is increasingly antagonistic towards Christianity mm. and the Christian faith. And just like in the early church, much of what we believe is misrepresented, it's misunderstood. Yeah. And so even the average believer is likely to find himself in a position where he has to have a defense for the things, you know, like whether it's a topic like abortion yeah. or a lot of the, you know, the whole sexual revolution and all that yeah. that's brought in. Much of that, like with abortion in particular, there is no middle ground. Right. You know, either abortion is is okay to, to you know, take the life of an unborn mm. or it's wrong and there's no... There's no middle ground there. And we are, you know, our position many times is being misrepresented, misunderstood. Mm. We have to, whether we like it or not, are going to be called upon to give a defense. And so a lot of believers don't really want to go there. Mm. Uh, They don't, you know, some of it is they don't really want to take the time. But one of the things that I've said Mm. is, like, I'm not a theologian. Right. I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not yeah. a bi, you know, biologist. But the thing is, those who are write books, and we can read those books. <laughs> like you know, the the whole yeah. Nick guy yeah. series. Most of the topics that I bring up, I do. I just do research on them. Mm. They're not things that I necessarily know offhand because yeah. I've studied them. I haven't, mm. uh, but I will read books and I usually look at the pros and cons mm. you know what is the other side arguing it on this this point yeah. or this issue and then what is the Christian response to that and I try to present that mm. so that the average believer who listens to the show can come away saying 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard that argument before. So this is the answer to it. Mm. And of course, yeah. we use, I mean, it's Nick Guy Private Eye is the name of the show. Uh, so it's it's really a comedy adventure series. So it's mm. meant to be entertaining. Yeah. But along the way, we want to teach, take on some topic mm. and give the uh, a Christian defense for it. Yeah, I think what's cool about it too is it's definitely I think geared more towards a younger audience. But, Initially, yeah. But it really isn't just for them, right? In the way it's like the information there is still meaty enough for anyone to be like, "All right, yeah, this is good information." Yeah, yeah, and I, I've gotten a lot of letters from adults hmm. who uh, listen and enjoy it and pick things That's up. Cool. Yeah, but it is also there was a family. Uh, in uh, Houston, Texas, mm. and they had four kids, and the the mother wrote to me saying that the kids had listened to a Nick Guy adventure, and afterwards they were discussing theology. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and I thought, that is that's really, really cool. Yeah. They're like, I'm done. That's all yeah. I need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the big thing. I mean, that's what we do here. It's the same idea, and that's what I love looking at both sides of it, too, because I think that's important. Yeah. Where a lot of times, a lot of our, I think, arguments with fellow believers, with non-believers, with whoever it is, it really comes down to, like, we don't understand how people got to their conclusion. Right. And instead of, let's take it back there and let's follow it through, it's let's just get mad at someone for not having the same conclusion right. as me. <laughs> I think about that with, <coughs> I mean, like, infant baptism is one I like to go to, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not on the same side as, like, a Presbyterian who would believe that, but how they get to their conclusion is completely different than how I got to my conclusion. Right. So it's like, for me to say, like, oh, I think you're wrong, I need to understand, like, how did you even get there? <laughs> right. Because I might hear that and be like, that's actually pretty convincing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think one of the things that happens, especially, you'll see it in politics, but it can happen with pretty much anything. Anybody that we disagree with, we're there's a way to caricature what right. they believe that makes right. it look ridiculous. And, you know, when you hear that and you think, okay, well, these people can't be idiots. Yeah, they can't be that dense that they don't. They they're believing something that seems so ridiculous. So what is? How did they get there? Like you said, yeah. You know, there there is a thought process because I've known a lot of people that I disagree with, mm. uh, uh, whether it's politics or religion, you know, or things about God. Yeah, and it's like, but they're not. They're they're honest people. Yeah, they're yeah. good people, and they got to that conclusion honestly. They're they're not just believing something that yeah, is not just making something yeah, up. Yeah, and it's so this caricature that can be presented as to what they believe, it's just not accurate. Mm. And what we need to do is kind of delve a little deeper there, and find out okay, what exactly is? How did you get to this? And that's to yeah. me where once you begin taking that apart and you look at it, and you think, oh, there's an error. Mm. They, they they took a sidestep here. Yeah, and that's where, or they misunderstood when Paul said, mm. "Let you know, should we sin and that grace may abound?" Right. That's where they got that from, and that's that's where their error is. Yeah. So let's look at that. Let's yeah. look at the first point of contention. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I, that's one of the I I call it the point of first disagreement. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when when you are talking to somebody about an issue, and well, just as an example. One of the issues where there is no middle ground is same-sex marriage. Mm. And there was somebody I worked with who asked me, because she knew that I was, you know, not in favor of it. And 
and she was asking honestly, you know, mm-hmm. why do you not believe that? You know, which first of all, good on her. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. She wasn't trying to, you know, a gotcha or right. angry or anything. Right. And I said, so I said, well, you, you have to take a step back from marriage because marriage really isn't the issue. Hmm. The issue is homosexuality itself. Hmm. And I said to her, now, if homosexuality is natural and normal and healthy. I would have to agree with you that there's no reason why two men or two women women can't be married. But if homosexuality is unnatural, mm. abnormal, and unhealthy, wouldn't you agree with me that it is not loving to encourage somebody to do something that's going to harm them? Yeah. And she said, I never thought of it that way. Hmm. So there, and it kind of like what Peter talked about, gentleness and respect, Yeah, yeah. I, I went with that. But I, I presented it in a way as this is really where we disagree, mm. is the, the homosexuality itself. So my position isn't I'm a bigot or I hate right. people. It's actually, if I believe this to be unnatural and unhealthy and everything, it's actually loving what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, what is motivating me. It isn't yeah. I want to control somebody's life. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't care less. You know, I mean, I, I have no desire. I can't. I'm having a hard enough time with my own, let alone somebody else's. <laughs> I don't need your stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, so that is one of the things is take it back to this is where we really first disagree. Yeah. yeah. Because if we can agree here, hmm. which I showed her, we would agree should should right same sex line, marriage probably. be right. Yeah, yeah, because if we both agree that it's natural and normal and everything, then there's no problem. If we both agree mm-hmm. that it's unnatural and abnormal, well then we both agree. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's huge, and I think that's the, I think that's important for us. Like we've said, to take a step back. Yeah. And, and one side is for us to be honest and take that step forward and be like, "Why do you think this?" Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not in a way. I don't. I think we need to do it with the agenda of with without an agenda of let's try to get them. Right. <laughs> right. That's like, I do. We really want to know. Like, I really want to know. Yeah. How did this? How did you get here? Yeah. And some people are willing to have that conversation. Some people aren't. And that's yeah. for us to kind of discern that as we go. Right. But that's a, you bring up actually another point, another thing that I always, I don't always do it successfully. I sometimes, <laughs> but whenever somebody disagrees with us and they say something, our natural, for me at any rate, the natural thing is to get in their face and tell them why right. they're wrong. The better thing to do is ask questions. Mm hmm. Why do you believe that? How did you get there? And what that does is you're giving them the opportunity to explain themselves. Absolutely. You're not jumping in and telling them they're mm-hmm. wrong. You're saying, convince me that you're right, basically, is yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and you're giving them the opportunity. And you ask probing questions. If they say, right. okay, what did you mean when you say that? And another thing that's really helpful to do in the midst of those conversations is to stop and say, okay, let me... So I'm understanding you correctly. Mm-hmm. Are you saying this? Right. And if you're right, it'll continue. If you're mm-hmm. wrong, well, I need to. Cl- I, you need to be clear clear here let's, on this, so I understand here. exactly yeah. what you're. And again, I I don't always do that successfully, but but what you're doing yeah. is you're giving them an opportunity to explain this. One of the things that I saw, mm-hmm. Dennis Miller had a radio show. I don't know if he still does, but he had a guy on there, and what a lot of times on these talk shows they only have like seven minutes. Right. <laughs> and they can't yeah. let somebody filibuster. They have to jump in and mm-hmm. sometimes interrupt them. But he had, you know, he would give them like a 15 minute segment mm. and he wasn't 
averse to giving them another 15 minutes, wow. you know. Yeah. So he would uh, many times just ask them quite and let them talk themselves out. Mm. And it was amazing to me how many times they got to the end. It's like it was obvious to them that what they were saying mm. was inconsistent. Yeah. That yeah. they were saying two different things at the same and he would point that out. Wow. You know? Uh, and I thought, see, there's value there because a lot of times when you ask somebody these probing questions, they haven't even thought of that. Mm. And it isn't yeah. it isn't a shame. You know, it's like most of us will do that. You know, we Absolutely. won't think it all through. But hopefully when you do that, you can say, mm. well, wait a second. Yeah. You said this here, but over here you said this. I, how does that connect? And if they don't know, you're actually, it's an opportunity for you to bring correction yeah. and maybe get them to think. Yeah, and I think that's, it reminds me of exactly what you said. I did an episode on logic a little bit ago. And it's that same idea of let's start with logic on the side. Of, let's start with ourselves. Let's ask questions. Let's build the case, yeah. build the syllogism. And let's see, like, does this work? Does this make sense? <laughs> yeah. And then we can see, are we being consistent in our own thoughts? Right. <laughs> but then, yeah, to apply that to other people, then when we're talking to them, let's them build their case, give them the space to do that. And then, you know, this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing this. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> right, yeah. Because sometimes right then and there, it's like, it doesn't make any sense, or it does make sense. Let me make sure you understand that it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's such a healthy way to approach it. Um, I mean, I think even looking at, you know, the New Testament again with Paul, what I what I love is, and I think it's missed a lot of times, when he's writing to these churches, when he's even when he rebukes people, he doesn't hear them once and cut them off and be like, hey, you jerk. You're a... <laughs> you know, I, I think about the one, um, what part is it in? It's the one lady who's demon-possessed. Oh, who yeah. Who is basically saying, like, these men, they are, these are men of God, you know, all day and night kind of thing. When you look at that, it, it, it reads, when you're just reading it quickly, it looks like she said that, and he's like, hey, I rebuke you. When you, when you pay attention to it, it's like, he waited a few days. Yeah. Like, she did this for days on end until he was finally like, all right, <laughs> enough is enough. <laughs> but I think that's where it, we can apply that to this. And it's yeah. like, let's, let's let someone actually talk it out. Yeah. Let's listen. Let's hear what's going on. Let's observe what is happening. Right. And then make a decision. Yeah, understanding that to them, they're hearing it for the first time themselves because they've never right. thought this <laughs> yeah. far through in it. Yeah. Yeah, you're challenging someone in a way they've never been challenged before. Right. Probably. Yeah. And you're, you're allowing them, you're not telling them, what they're saying, you're allowing them to say it. Right. And you, so yeah. you're providing them. They can't say, well, you know, you railroaded. No, I'm just asking you questions. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's very valuable. Uh, asking, knowing how to ask a good question is, is an art form that yeah. we need to all practice for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finding those good questions to ask people to draw that information out. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think that's where apologetics is, is really interesting. Because, so, I mean, oftentimes those questions are kind of forced on us. Right. <laughs> but, you know, what I find is if you have done some study and you are in the Word regularly, like Jesus said, you know, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Yeah. It's amazing. Like even the thing with the same-sex marriage, I hadn't had that. I wasn't planning on that. Hmm. So the whole thing, you know, even the, the cadence I use with natural, oh, normal yeah. health, that all just was like instantaneous. Yeah. And after I said it, I thought, did I say that? <laughs> Who's, <who laughs> Where that? did that come from? Because it, it just flowed so well. Yeah. And it, it, it was just a good logical argument. Hmm. And I hadn't 
thought of it beforehand. Mm. Although I had done the groundwork. Yeah. And I realized, okay, this issue is not about marriage. Mm. It, it, you have to take a step back. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's huge to recognize, too. We're often, I think we're so, not everybody, but I think some, some denominations, some people are so into like, <clears throat> I don't have to do anything because the Lord will just give it to oh, me. Oh, yeah. When it's like, that's such a, an abuse of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When it's like, yeah, there are times when he will give you something that you didn't have. Right. But I think often he's like, I will help you, but you need to be faithful in studying, in researching, yes. and doing these things. Not like we all have to be, you know, doctorate level. Scholars, yeah. Scholars, <laughs> write a 300-page thesis. <clears throat> um, but it's like, yeah, are we, are we doing the groundwork right. of even just reading the Word? I think that alone. Right. Well... You know, though it's been in my life too. I'm sure it's been in yours, where something will happen. And it's like I've never thought about this before. I've never heard this question or this. I've never been presented this before. But the Holy Spirit's speaking to me in some way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's giving me the answer I need right now. Right. And there's no shame if somebody asks you a question you don't know the answer to to say I don't know. Right. Um, most of the time, you 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 know, it is good for you to go and find the answer. So, yeah. Like I was teaching a Sunday school class and afterwards two people independent of each other asked me the same question, mm. which I had never considered before. Mm. Now I had an initial answer, yeah. but I even said, this is just kind of coming from my gut here dome. on this, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to go back in the following week. Mm. I, I made sure I talked to both of them. I, I announced it to the whole class, but one of them wasn't in the class that mm. day. So I, I went to her and I said, "Okay, that question yet. This is this is what I found out about it." That's good. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, that's great, right there. The the humility of that. It's like I don't know all the answers. <laughs> and yeah, there's no. Sh and actually, there is shame in pretending you know everything. Right. And if you're wrong on it, then you have to go back to the person and say, "You know, I was wrong about." It. Or mm. if you just let it stand and you it, they find out you were wrong. Your integrity is just, right. you know, like, well, I idiot. don't know that I can trust him with anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think that's what, I think for some people when they hear um, this conversation or things like this, it can seem overwhelming because it's like, I don't want to spend hours right. studying. And for me, it's like, and for you, it's like, I just enjoy this. I do enjoy it. I'm yeah. going to do this in my free time anyway. <laughs> so I might as well use it. Well, see, that's, I, I was, well, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's what I love about the show, and I wanted to talk a little oh, more about okay. that too, unless you had something else. No, that's where I was going with it. So. Oh, perfect. Same mind. <laughs> and I think that's what's great is because even though it's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, you've said, it's like, I'm not, I'm just a guy. I'm not a scholar. Right. But I like to study and research, and this is what I find, is you make it accessible to people, and especially in words that aren't scholar level. Right. Um, for people who don't have the time to spend, you know, 20 hours researching did Jesus actually die? Right. <laughs> Did was he actually resurrected? Um, and you can break that down into a 30-minute segment. Sure. You know, yeah. several parts, a three-part, 30-minute three, segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them are at least three or four parts. Yeah, yeah, to at least get enough information to be like, okay, I feel like I have what I need to engage in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Or even for myself, to just be like, I know the answer now for myself. Yeah, right. And if if you forget it, you can always go back. right. And yeah, you know, listen to it again. Oh yeah, that was what. Yeah. Yeah. So for was that a thought process when you started doing the show, or it was? What was your motivation? Yeah, my motivation was actually you and your brothers and sisters. Aww. <laughs> well, you guys used to remember at night you'd like to listen to 
old radio shows yeah. or Adventures in Odyssey. And of course, I, being a musician, I had the recording studio. And my concern was, you hear the statistic of how many young people are raised in a Christian home, mm. they leave home and they abandon the faith. Yeah. And I thought, well, what can we do? What can I do to maybe keep that from happening or at least make it less likely? Mm. And one of the things that I thought, rather than just teaching you what you believe, it would be good if you knew why you could believe it. Mm. And mm. so that's what I started the program mm. was to explore, you know, like the story of David and Goliath, what was really happening there? What yeah. was, or something about the resurrection? Why, why would I believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? Mm. What, what could convince me of that? And that's what, what started it. I really just did them for you guys. And at some point I thought, well, I wonder if other families could benefit. Hmm. And I knew the guy, Mark Zimmerman from WCRF yeah. here in Cleveland, the Moody Station. And we weren't like best friends or anything, but I knew him well enough that I yeah. met with him and just asked him, hey, yeah, well, if I some wanted chicken to... nuggets together. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You and Thomas went with me that one That's time. right. We did. Yeah. And uh, so I said, hey, you know, how do I get on the radio with this? And mm. he gave me some advice. And, and there were a number of um, people who were doing... Uh, radio, children's radio that at the time that I reached out to to get yeah. critiques from, and and they were all very helpful. And I remember then I, I, I had about, I didn't want to do just 10 shows and then start trying to peddle this because I mm. thought, what if this is, I only come up with 10 ideas? Well, then what do I <laughs> A do? A lot of reruns. Yeah. Uh, so I had about 50 of them written in, in the can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I want to get a year's worth, yeah. you know, so that I have a whole year to come up with some more new stuff. And I started making calls to, well, at that time, streaming and podcasting mm. wasn't that big then. It was radio. This, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so it was basically radio was the biggest. We had radios all over the house. Yeah. <laughs> so I contacted Christian radio stations throughout the country, mm. and I still remember, I would I would call them on my lunch break. <laughs> and I would, uh, you know, say, I'm going to send you some information. I'd call them back. So the whole process could take a couple months you yeah. know, to finally get through to them and, and get everything. And I remember the, f the first time I had called and sent him the information, and I talked to him. He says, yeah, we're going to start airing it in August. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, this is the wrong number? <laughs> <laughs> so it was August of 2004 that wow. reality check went on the air. Yeah. And then I had this idea to do a longer, well, I had this idea for a private eye. Yeah. And I realized five minutes isn't going to do it to get through mm. a whole story. And so I, I wanted to do a half hour show, but I thought, I don't have the time mm. to do a new half hour show every week. Yeah. And there was a, a guy, uh, a station manager at one of the stations I was on, and he recommended start off with like a, a Christmas special mm, or, yeah. and it was the time of the year was like October that he suggested that. And I thought, well, it's too late for Christmas. I couldn't. Yeah. So I did an Easter special hmm. and the very first Nick guy aired in April or, you know, this Easter of 2010. Wow. And so that's been 13 and a half years. Uh, I've got, I just finished my 70th Nick guy script wow. and each one is about, <laughs> 75 to 100 minutes long because hmm. they're all uh, half-hour segments, episodes for the, yeah. the radio, but they're also, um, it takes at least three episodes to get through a whole story. 
Yes, cool. And then we have uh, other programs like you know spinoffs, like Human Eel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Gathering Dusk is another one that we've started. <laughs> so, I, I think I think I looked at it. I've got enough programs that I could air for like four four and a half years without repeating. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one a week, you know, for four years. That's so many. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah, it's just doing them over and over like you've been right. Doing. And then uh, you do all the almost all the voices. I do most of the male lead yeah. voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you leave yeah. the female voices for yeah. I, I yeah, have other outsource female. that one. <laughs> and actually, I've got quite a, a bench uh, of yeah. people that do voices for me. And there's a number of them I've never met them in person. Hmm. They do them remotely, um, and uh, you know they, yeah, they'll send cool. them in. And yeah. Which is fun to be able to get that just extra cast, cast yeah. to kind of color, add some more color to it. As well. And actually, the voice you did at the very beginning yep. is <laughs> yeah. uh, one that we've used, the character Billy Orbach. That we've, <laughs> he didn't originate with Nick Guy. No, he started as a prank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, because we started with uh, one of your old-time friends. <laughs> I think because you started doing the voice first. I did, yeah, yeah. But you do it better than I do. So. <laughs> Created yeah, Billy Orbach. He was, yeah, he was uh, Ron. Ron Black was the music director at our church. Mm-hmm. And one time after practice, I think we were on our way home, and I called him. And uh, yeah, this inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Guy, Mr. Black. <laughs> it's Billy. <laughs> And the idea was Billy plays saxophone and wants to play on the worship yeah. team. And then you took it over. And there was the, the one classic one about playing the, the tube or playing the right. clarinet, the saxophone, and the tube all at the same time. <laughs> Billy is a, is a very colorful person. <laughs> but he's become one of my favorite Nick guy. You know, there's Nick guy has there's the main characters, but then there's all these recurring characters yeah, and Billy the guy and Dr. DeSoto. Yep. Yeah, they're the two. They're they're originally my original idea was to have have it be like a Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Yeah. Watson. And but Nick Guy was supposed to be just bumbling. Mm-hmm. And I started working on a script and it just stunk. <laughs> it was you know I was I wasn't even into it too I thought, oh I'm even bored with this, you know. <laughs> so I just I threw it away. And that's where I got the the idea of wait you know, apologetics tied with mm. being a private eye. Uh, so I, I got more specific with with that and, you know, had more of a purpose. But I, Nick Guy over the years has become, he's not a bumbler. He's more of a straight man to all the yeah. other people who are. And that yeah. just seemed to work better. Because it definitely plays him as a better character. Yeah. A little bit more likable, I think. Yeah. 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 And Billy, he's got a knack for getting uh. kidnapped. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much every episode he's in, he gets kidnapped. <laughs> Wasn't there one where he didn't get kidnapped? Or? There was There was one. It was actually a human eel, because human eel is a whole different character. And there was a character who was kind of like Billy's name was Beanie. Yeah. And they, this villain calls, you know, connects with the human <laughs> eel, says, I've, I've kidnapped Beanie, and I'm holding him for ransom. So the whole episode is the human eel trying to rescue Beanie. And at the end, it isn't Beanie, it's Billy Orbach. That's right. <laughs> and Nick Guy makes a cameo, or he rescues, <laughs> well, the villain got it wrong. He kidnapped the wrong person, and Beanie was just on vacation for a week. So. <laughs> It's all good fun. <laughs> we have fun. Yeah, we have fun. <laughs> well, so how can how can people find Nick Guy, Private Eye, or Reality Not that Check? hard, actually. Um, <laughs> you don't have to search very hard. No. <laughs> um, 
Interesting. There is there are there's a guy who's uh, like a rodeo uh, mm. star whose name is Nick Guy. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you just type in Nick Guy, you're likely to get him. But it's uh, not our, the rodeo guy. Yeah, he's not the rodeo <laughs> guy. He's a private eye. But it's uh, NickGuy.net will take okay. you to our website. Uh, and once you're there, there's a, a lot of information on what we do. Hmm. Uh, you can gain access to uh, our, you know, our adventures. There, you know, we have a lot of them uh, that you can download. Yeah. Um, and uh, you don't have to have a radio to listen to it. No, no. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> and there's some on YouTube. Some of the adventures are on YouTube yeah. that you can listen to. And actually, they're on a lot of streaming services, and you can buy. Uh, CDs and downloads through Amazon, even. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You can even get some of these fancy mugs. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We do have a store where you, you can, can get mugs and t shirts. Yourself. And, yeah, you can have your very own reality check with an original Paul Yuli. It's kind of like my merch, but yeah. through your store. <laughs> <coughs> I've been creating since I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. And then. Um, so, yeah, we've got all this stuff online you can get to. Yeah, and um, again, nickguy.net, very easy to find. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And definitely worth looking into because you do all your original music as well for it. Well, that's yeah, that is one of the nice things about being a musician. I don't have to <laughs> hire somebody to do music. Yeah. And I have my kids do all the artwork, so it's really not a lot of overhead. <laughs> it keeps it kind of easy. You know? <laughs> well, do you have any, any closing thoughts while we're finishing up here? You know, I think just... Um, just to encourage people to, uh, if you do find yourself in a situation where something you believe is being challenged and you don't have an answer to, there are resources. And mm. I mean, Nick Guy is one, but there are resources where you can get uh, the information you need to be able to defend the faith. Because yeah. we're in a we're in a time where, uh, you know, back when I was growing up in the '60s, you could pretty much end any argument by appealing to the Word of God. Mm. Uh, you know, you just say, well, God says, even if you were wrong, people were not <laughs> were not really mm. going to contradict the Word of God. And that doesn't mean mm. everybody was a believer, because they weren't. Yeah. You know, uh, certainly a lot of the liberalism had already entered into the church, and mm -hmm. but the people had respect for the Word of God. Mm. You don't see that anymore. Yeah. You know, you have people that actually vilify God. Mm. And we have got to be able to give a good, solid defense. And that's yeah. that's a part of evangelism in that if we can remove those obstacles to somebody believing, hmm. that that may open the door for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, that may be how God is going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good even for ourselves, if nothing else, Yeah, to be like, what do I believe? What do I believe? <laughs> when I say that I'm a Christian, what does that actually mean? What yeah. does that look like? And why do I believe it? Yeah. Even just to strengthen our own faith. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lord will be faithful to use that for others, too. Yeah. So that's great. But thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate for talking. it. It's fun. Yeah. This is your bread and butter. This is my bread and <laughs> butter. <laughs> and I just like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have Paul back in Ohio for a little visit. That's right. We get the... You can't really see too much on the cameras, but there's a tree out back there. Yeah. It's a backyard. Yep. And it's you audio listeners, here. you just have to... Just trust me, there's a tree out there. <laughs> and it's Ohio in the fall, and... It's been nice. I get to bring my jacket out, which I yeah. don't do often. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, And buddy. thank you guys for listening and watching. And we'll talk to you hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs>